Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Hey guys, it's just Melissa. I am running Salted today. I'm doing everything into my power to not make this sound like late night Delilah. Because I'm getting a little bit of Delilah vibes by doing this solo, but we're just going to roll with it. Kelly had a rough week because her beloved angel, Karida of a dog, unexpectedly passed away. So, of course, she needed some time to grieve instead of coming on here and putting up with my dumb jokes. The good news is that Kelly and I had some recorded segments in the vault that we've not aired on any other episodes. So I've put those together for you today, which means that this is going to mostly feel like a normal episode for you. And Kelly will be back in the flesh with us next week. Before we get to the segments, I just need to share with you about Kelly and her dog. Her dog, Toto, was everything to her. She is the most meticulous dog owner you would ever meet. Her dog was pampered like no other dog has ever been pampered in this entire universe. I don't know if you want to try to picture it and don't come at me because I know dogs can't eat grapes, but if dogs were allowed to eat grapes, this dog would be laying in a cabana and Kelly would be feeding her grapes one at a time and fanning her with palm leaves from Palm Sunday while massaging her little paw pads. Okay. There are no consangs who lived a better life than her consang. I think that's probably why this is so hard for her. Her dog lived a long and wonderful life that she got to spend all this time with her and pamper her. And now she's unexpectedly gone. So next week, we're going to cover pet grief in our mental health segment. But in the meantime, I am sure Kelly would love, love, love to hear kind words from all of you. She does check our Instagram regularly at underscore is called culture. So if you drop her a note there, she will see it. All right, guys, I'm going to give you a social media roundup on my own here, and then you'll hear a segment of Kelly and I talking about cultural sleep habits, followed by a mental health segment on the fearfulness of different countries in Europe. Spoiler alert, we scared of everything. So for a social media roundup, I came across this TikTok video of a creator named Anna. might be Anna. Her username is at Anna thing but animals. It's a play on words with her name. The gist of her video was basically how individualistic the U.S. is versus how community-based Mexico is. And she was giving examples of hanging out with friends. So in the U.S., if you were to hang out with someone or if you were to ask to hang out with someone, you might hear them say something back like, oh, I wish I could, but I already have plans with this other friend. Whereas in Mexico, she was saying you could ask someone to hang out and they'd be like, Oh, I have my friend's friend's tutor's second cousin's wedding, but you can come if you want. And a light bulb just went off for me when I saw this because I had never thought about this so specifically, but this is exactly the difference between the way I grew up versus the way my husband did. And we're still very different in this sense. My husband is a full-on like compartmentalizer. He doesn't like to mix family with his friend groups. He doesn't like to mix friend, his, his friends, his friend group A with friend group B. He doesn't like to mix his side with my side, whether it's family or friends. He's very prescriptive and intentional with how he schedules his time with others or extends invites. If he's giving or receiving an invite, it's never on a whim. He has fully vetted that situation. 
on the other hand, my Portuguese family is playing fast and loose with invites. Everybody is invited to everything at all times. It doesn't matter. The more the merrier. People will just show up unannounced, even if you for some reason forgot to invite them or didn't get to invite them. They come in anyway. Sometimes I have to get out of bed to go let visitors in. They will just show up. You, you will open the door in your pajamas and then you will just accompany that visitor. My mom does not give a shit about compartments and compartmentalizing people. She will invite her hairdresser, her great aunt, and the neighbors <laughs> all to like an intimate dinner together without batting an eye. If the doorbell rings during dinner and it's like a Jehovah's Witness or something, she's already got an extra plate at the table. Maybe not. Maybe not a Jehovah's Witness. Maybe like if they were selling vacuums or something. But the more, the merrier. So the whole overarching concept of individualism in the U.S. versus cultures with communities outside of the U.S., it's, it's a huge topic. And we'll continue to talk about it on our show going forward. But for now, I'm just looking at some of the comments on this girl's video. The U.S. is very individualistic and isolating. Mexico is very family-oriented and a group-oriented culture. So I agree with these. And there are aspects of the quote-unquote village that I'm really missing in my life right now. But then somebody wrote, it's all fun and games until the, it's the other way around and you only have emotional energy for a few people and someone goes and brings a whole family. And I feel that pretty deeply as well. So I guess you have to find a way to strike a balance between community and boundaries. Our culture topic is coming up right after the break. My dad came to visit me last week. Okay. Yeah. I saw that you posted something about that on your Instagram. He drives two hours to come to my house. Four hours round trip. Right. He got to my house and immediately fell asleep. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling me he didn't eat first and then take a nap after he ate? He just he skipped the eating part and just went to sleep? He slept before food, woke up for food, <laughs> and then slept after food. Classic. He was sleeping the entire time he was at my house. He was awake for a very brief period to have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a baby <laughs> just gonna wake them up a little bit just to feed them and then they go back to sleep my dad says look the same way he's a napper i think most immigrant dads are like my dad wasn't like ever a runner like he wasn't like gonna go take like you know an after dinner run like i don't know i feel like it's like an american thing <laughs> the thought of my dad or your dad <laughs> taking <Go> an after dinner <laughs> run <laughs> <laughs> um that's a hard no and that's not even instilled in us like what's instilled in us is to take a nap after you eat i immediately want to sleep after food of course like things especially like say like a day like thanksgiving you eat you know you prep all whatever prep foods can cook blah 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 you're already kind of sleepy as it is because you're just in the house with all the food going and then after you eat you want to you take a nap even the americans want a nap after thanksgiving i'm talking like i eat a steak and cheese and i need to take a nap oh yeah absolutely like a saturday afternoon or a sunday afternoon is, is definitely like a nap but 
I don't know. I feel like it's like Thanksgiving or New Year's where you get these like American families that will sign up for like marathons. Like imagine married <laughs> being married into a family that does like a marathon on the holiday. Like a turkey trot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like no, like, dressing up as little Santas and like going <laughs> down, like running, right? And going running and do a five k real quick. Yeah, it's like no, no European. I'm not even gonna. I don't even think it's all Europeans. I've recently started grouping like Mediterranean Europeans together: mm-hmm. Spain, Portugal, Greece, Italy, like that. That's all the same vibes. Yeah, those are yeah. all the same vibes. Like we're all sleeping. It's food, drinking, and sleep. There's there's no exercise, no running, no <laughs> playing football while the turkey's going. Like none of that. <laughs> no, it's not like there's not an athletic bone in our bodies to do any of that. No. Like if I had saw my father like go running, like going for like I'm gonna go for a quick jog or a light jog, like I would think something was wrong with him. What are you running from? <laughs> Who's chasing you because you're not a runner? Oh, like, are you, are you running to your other secret family's house? Like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> that was honestly like the, the biggest adjustment for me, marrying an American. Oh, yeah, that's right. You married an American. I was so used to my entire household being you eat lunch and then we would all just go like lay on the couch together and like fall yeah. asleep. And that was like a normal thing. Yeah. We're going to take our after lunch <laughs> siesta. You got to let the food digest and rest in your belly the right way. Right. His family would be like, let's go take a walk. Let's have let's have lunch and then let's go take a walk immediately after lunch. And I'm like, nah, nah. No. Like, I'm not even trying to take a walk like before lunch. Like, I definitely <laughs> don't want an after lunch walk yeah people do it i don't understand they do it though people do it these americans do it and we are we're americans we're firstborn generation americans but we just it's not something we do it wasn't it wasn't instilled in us my eyelids just start like (laughs) (laughs) as i'm even eating Like, they just start closing it doesn't have to be turkey it doesn't need to be tryptophan it does not matter nope it's just all food. It doesn't help that we eat like so carb heavy, but like Saturday, Sunday lunch was practically dinner. It was just like your first dinner and then you have your second. <laughs> it was a, lunch was never something light. No, you had like it was dinner. No. It was a lunch, but it was actually a good dinner. Right. Like it wasn't like a tuna salad sandwich. It no, was, it was a full <laughs> course meal of dinner. And I just always after my father ate. He just would go right to the couch and he was a goner. <laughs> we all just follow that same lead. Granted, if we were on the couch too, or if we all went to like our own rooms and we slept, but that was just a thing to do. They're always falling asleep. They'll fall asleep at any event, any couch, <laughs> like any relative's house. My dad has people at my house. If we have like visit visitors, visitors. If they are over our house, he has left my mom numerous times to go take a nap. (laughs) Like 4th of July, I think they decided to have something with a few friends. After my dad ate like the barbecue food, he went and left my mom outside with everybody and went inside and they will take a nap. 
no fucks. <laughs> Zero fucks that he was a host. They would do that if your mom wasn't there. He was still going to go take a nap. No, if my mom wasn't, if my mom wasn't there, maybe not. <laughs> He'd try to probably wrap it up so you go take a nap. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to wrap this party up. <laughs> You know, he's always done that. My mom gets pissed because she's like, he leaves me to go take a nap. And I have to now entertain these people until he wakes up. <laughs> do Americans do this? <laughs> Let us know. At any given function that you attend with, I'm going to lump all us Mediterraneans together. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk into a room and there's going to be a grown man sleeping in there. <laughs> You're going like, to go put your coat on the bed. Like you're going to go into like, oh, I'm just going to go put my coat on the coat bed. And there will be a man in the bed <laughs> sleeping. Hey, wait, can we talk about how all the coats just went into that one room? <laughs> just like a mountain of jackets. <laughs> there was like not, no coating. It was just everything was just thrown on that one bed. And you just had to like ruffle through and try to find your jacket. <laughs> But they're all the, they were all the same. It was like all like a black leather coat, a hundred <laughs> black leather coats on top of the bed. Like they were all wearing the same thing. Like, it, do you think like they had their names written? Like, you know, how little kids now at daycare. <laughs> like, didn't you have to write all your daughter's names on, on her stuff at daycare? <laughs> no. How would they tell? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, how know. do you, how do you know you grab the right jacket? Go and see which handkerchief was in the pocket. As you're going through the pile to find your jacket, there's a grown man taking a nap. <laughs> He's under the coats. They didn't even realize he was there. The jacket's just getting thrown on him. <laughs> I know. I don't know if this is just like a cultural thing or do like American dads, moms, I don't know. Do they do the same? I have no idea. I've never seen my husband's family sleep, sleeping. At any type of event. Are they the type of family that would do like a Spartan? What is it called? Those races where they run through mud and like. No, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't necessarily do that, but they're going to go for a walk. They don't get sleep. Like, is there something in our physiology? My biological makeup is that I need to sleep to digest the food. Like I immediately get sleepy. Just yesterday at my house, my brother was over. And my dad had eaten a little bit earlier than me and my brother um, because he didn't want to wait for us. (laughs) So he had eaten. And all of a sudden, like, he gets into bed. It's like six o'clock at night on a Wednesday. And he's like, why is dad's going to bed already? I'm like, no, he's just taking a nap. (laughs) He's taking a nap before he goes to bed (laughs) in a few hours. It's the digestive nap. (laughs) It's the coma. So the Europeans, though, like we like our after dinner or after meal espressos, because I believe that simulates like, the same situation. <laughs> like it starts the digestive process. Like Do our bodies not make like digestive enzymes <laughs> on their own? Yeah, but when you have the espressos, does it does it keep you awake or no? I don't, I don't do the espressos. I know you do. It depends. It depends. I've had them where they like don't really affect me. And I've had them where like I'm regretting it because I had like a 9 p.m. espresso and now I'm up or double espresso. And now I'm up restless leg syndrome all night. Yeah. Just like, yeah. In my bed. But my dad could literally have coffee 
any time of night or day and it does not affect his sleep one bit yeah my dad's the same way he goes out hard like he can have double espresso 10 p.m and immediately go to bed they can sleep through anything i don't know about your dad but like my dad will sleep a whole party could happen in the house and my dad would sleep through the whole entire thing i wake up like all the time throughout the night like i don't know i I wake up several times throughout the night and it could just be i wake up on my own or if i hear something i'm up but that man will sleep the whole entire night my mom could be hooking up with another man (laughs) my dad would be sleeping i don't know like what hits them differently they work hard they sleep hard they don't play (laughs) they don't play hard (laughs) there's no play there's no play there's no play in the equation whatsoever (laughs) So there's this article, I just, I had it bookmarked in my reading list. It's from Time magazine and it's called Nine Sleep Habits from Around the World. The cover picture of it is like two Japanese businessmen in suits sleeping on like a bench, like a concrete bench in the middle of like a park. (laughs) And apparently that's culturally normal. I just want to like highlight these quirky sleep habits. All right. There's siesta, the Spanish tradition of an afternoon nap. So that's kind of like what we're talking about here. Like European countries use the midday pause to go home, eat a leisurely lunch with family and often nap. That's that's our vibe. That's what we're, that's our whole upbringing, right? Yep. And then we have naked sleeping. (laughs) Okay. All right. The UK has a preference for sleeping naked, according to a study from the National Sleep Foundation. Nearly one third of Brits say they sleep most nights with no clothing on, much higher than any other country surveyed. All right. Don't know what that's about. Good for you guys. <laughs> Sleeping with pets in the United States. That's so that's an that's a US cultural thing. Yep. People often sleep with their pets. Seventy one percent of people with pets let their pets sleep in their bed with them, at least occasionally. Well, like every night I would I would sleep no other way. <laughs> I would kick a man out before kicking my dog out of bed. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I'm still single. Alfresco naps. Okay. Scandinavian countries, including Norway and Sweden, parents often leave their babies outdoors to nap. I just saw this recently on Instagram. But go on. Yeah, even in the middle of winter. Yes. It's common to see infants parked in strollers outside a store while parents are indoors or eating or shopping. They believe the fresh air is good for their kids and that being outside will help keep young children from getting sick. I saw this recently on Instagram, like a post about this. I mean, these are like the happiest countries in the world. So like they're obviously doing something right. But in America, I could not fathom. It's not even about the cold because I think the cold and the fresh air, like, I mean, I took my one-year-old camping in 30 degrees in a tent so like i'm all good with that but it's it's me it's like the somebody's gonna kidnap your baby if you just exactly. leave in a stroller outside and you're gonna go shopping inside there's been many lifetime movies where women <laughs> try to steal babies because <laughs> they can't get pregnant that that's like a real thing so yeah not even that not even by women men they kidnap babies and kids So, like, I love the idea of it, but I wouldn't leave my infant unattended in the U.S. If that's common practice out there, cool. I would not do that. Yeah. Knowing what I know. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Bedtime prayers in Mexico, meditation or prayer are common before bed. 62% of Mexicans said they prayed or meditated in the hour before going to sleep. Unlike watching TV or looking at electronics, which can actually make it harder to drift off, the quietness of prayer or meditation can help induce sleepiness. Yeah, so that's where we go wrong. I'm on my phone right before bed. Oh, no doubt. Sleeping with fewer sheets. Many Europeans don't use a top sheet and instead sleep on a fitted sheet only underneath a comforter or duvet. The duvet has its own cover, which can be taken off and washed just like sheets. This avoids excess layers in the summer while still keeping sleepers warm in the winter. The duvet, that's not easy to like take on and off. No, it's not. Seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah. But that's what they sleep on, right? Well, no, that's like it's, a comforter like, oh, on that's, top of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. It's the fit, they sleep on the fitted sheet. Right. And they just don't have a top sheet, which the top sheet gets all rustled around. You don't really need that top sheet. But then like your comforter would be like dirty and you have to wash your comforter all the time. Like, See, I sleep with my comforter. Without a top sheet? I have a top sheet, but half the time it's like, like dead. It's balled up at the bottom somewhere. Yeah. So sometimes I have like a blanket with my comforter or I'll just do my comforter. I sleep with my comforter. I can get on board with that. How often do you have to wash it? Never. <laughs> I switch my comforters out a lot. So I do that. The one I have on right now, it's a super thick. So I could never throw that in my washer. I guess you're supposed to like obviously take it to the dry cleaner. So you've never washed it. You've never washed your comforter. <laughs> that one I have not. <laughs> it's too thick. It's way too thick. I can't throw that one in because it's like a fur, like a fur comforter. So I can't. So what I do is really Portuguese of me is I will on a sunny day, I'll air it out and put it outside. <laughs> it's too thick. It's too thick of a comforter. You let a little like heat and sun like try to kill whatever. <laughs> Late bedtime for kids. While American parents typically put their kid to bed early in the evening so they can get some alone time, Argentinian parents are much more likely to involve children in evening activities. Dinner doesn't happen until 9 p.m., so children often stay up until 10 p.m. or later for celebrations or holidays. No, get them to bed. (laughs) Get them to bed. I don't have kids, but get them to bed. How are you supposed to watch your TV shows? (laughs) Bakama. (laughs) Napping in public. The Japanese practice of inumuri, or sleeping while present, allows people to multitask. Dozing is sometimes done on a park bench or a commuter train, at a dinner party, or even during a meeting at work. Dinner party. Boom. My dad practices this. (laughs) in a culture that values diligence napping in public is taken as a sign that a person is tired from working hard but still wants to participate in their current situation (laughs) like i'm here but i'm just gonna take a nap but i'm like i'm participating (laughs) at work in a meeting that's awesome i want to participate i'm just so tired from working hard i'm just gonna close my eyes that sounds amazing. Bog me down for the participation, though, because <laughs> I'm I'm here. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I'll get on board with that. It's like A for effort. A for effort. Like you showed up. I showed up. 
worry dolls. Oh, I know those. You do? The indigenous people of Guatemala's highlands create worry dolls to help them sleep. Pieces of wood or wire make up the doll frame, and artists add yarn and woven fabric to give the dolls a traditional Mayan costume. According to Mayan legend, someone whose worries prevent them from sleeping should tell their concerns to as many worry dolls as necessary. Mm -hmm. Then put the dolls under their pillow, and the dolls take over worrying so the person can sleep soundly and wake up unburdened in the morning. I've heard of this. Like a little doll. They actually, like, some places actually sell them, too, but obviously i would probably want like a legit one so you just talk to the doll and you tell it your worries yeah and then you put it underneath your pillow and the doll takes your worries for the evening does she give them back in the morning i don't know (laughs) i don't know let us know people do they (laughs) they're just for the night just to sleep i guess it's just for the night so it, that's interesting because it's literally just a mental practice of telling yourself, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. Right. But going that extra step of actually saying, I'm going to give my worries to the doll. And then your your mind is free. Yeah. Have you tried this? Because I feel like you could benefit from a worry doll. <laughs> no, but I've seen them. Like, I'll show you. See if I can pull it up and see if I can show it on the. So I've seen these furry dolls. I'm getting like voodoo doll vibes. It seems very makeshift. So these are the ones I've seen. Oh, they're tiny. Yeah. I was envisioning something like like this big. But I guess you wouldn't really want to put like a whole block of wood under your pillow. Right. So when you Google like we're actual worry dolls. so they're just like tiny how do you not lose them i know i don't have one (laughs) so i don't i don't know how it works yeah and they come like with a box um oh well apparently you can buy them on amazon (laughs) so do you have multiple like do you buy like a set of dolls or do you just need one so in traditional and modern times, worry dolls are given or lent to rooting, anxious, or sorrowful children. They would tell their doll about their sorrows, fears, and worries and hide it under their pillow before going to sleep at night. It is said that the child relinquishes their worries to the dolls during the night and by the next morning, all sorrows are said to have been taken away by the worry doll and they can move forward refreshed the next day. So I guess the next day you don't have your worries. They don't give them back. You just create new worries throughout the day that you have to then give to the doll at night. So today, worry dolls are sold in huge quantity in Guatemala and Mexico. Nuns and poor children sell them to tourists as souvenirs. Dolls are quite popular since they are so small and easy to carry around. I really think you need a worry doll. Yeah, maybe I should go get I should get one. It's not doing anything. Like you could have like a roll of toilet paper and be like this is my worry doll and i'm right. gonna roll the toilet paper under my pillow and i'm gonna give my all my worries to the toilet paper every night right like it doesn't need to be a doll it could be any inanimate object right do they have a legend the legend of the Guatemalan worry doll i guess like i don't know i guess there's like a little legend but you're right you could use anything <laughs> This is a wonderful segue into our mental health segment about the worry of our culture and the fear. Mm -hmm. 
I found an article today I want to share with you. All right. Let's hear it. I'm going to hit you with this headline. Ready? Okay. It's not a new article. This is from March 7th, 2011, but I just stumbled upon it. The Portuguese are the most fearful people in Europe is the headline. (laughs) That hits so well. (laughs) This is like a business insider website, but it's referencing this National Bureau of Economic Research report or paper Mm -hmm. series. I'm going to read you the like just a couple clips from this article that was written about the research paper. All right. Let's hear it. A bizarre study from NBER looks at how likely Europeans are to be worried about various issues. The Portuguese were the most fearful people when surveyed in 2002, with 71% worried about world war. Valid. Very valid, yeah. Pretty good, yeah. 87% worried about epidemics. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 51% worried about mad cow disease. (laughs) Yeah, they're around cows all the time on the island. <laughs> the Azores. And then it just says, et cetera, because I think the, art- the article itself goes into more categories of things you could be fearful of. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it says the Greek are the next most fearful, followed by the Spanish and the Italians. So all, and they have the, all the cultures kind of all meshed. It, this was like all of Europe, I guess, in this study. but. The Mediterranean countries are like birds of a feather flock together situation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then like the ones that had like the least amount of fear were like Netherlands and Sweden and that kind of stuff. Let me see. Does it state where like the United States lands on? No, this is just Europe. Oh, oh that's right. Sorry. Europe. So I was going to say the United States is not worried about <laughs> The pandemic, <laughs> not to get into that. Sweden, Finland, the Netherlands, like Denmark, all like really low on the mm-hmm. fear scale on this chart. Portugal, Greece, Italy, really high on the fear scale. Pessimism and fear is this chart that I'm looking at. That just describes us perfectly. That's like our traits, <laughs> our characteristics. <laughs> I know, like, I have, like, my 11 lines. Have you heard of these? Yeah. Like, I've, I've lived my life in a pessimistic, worried yeah. state. <laughs> Mine's are not so bad. I don't think I, I don't think you can even make them if you tried. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have them, but I do have, like, some lines. But no, yeah, I don't have, like, the 11. I feel like I've lived my life with, like, a furrowed brow like this. Like that look, that face. Worry lines. I've been trying to like live a less stressful life. And I notice when I like furrow them now and I like try to stretch it out. <laughs> you can always do Botox and then you won't be able to move <laughs> move your eyebrows at all. I'm not into the Botox life, but like no, maybe same. I could be into like the scotch tape life. What's that? Like, oh, like just taping it. Just <laughs> I could do that. I could get into that life, maybe. Okay, so pretty much half of Europe that probably doesn't smoke weed is fucking worried, <laughs> and the other half that smokes weed is more calm, chilled, living their best life. Are those areas 
No, I don't know. It doesn't like was Amsterdam on that. Like, don't they all smoke weed in like Amsterdam? I think that whole that whole area. Amsterdam is located in Western Netherlands. Now, is that the weed location? Um, I mean, it's the take a pill in Ibiza location. <laughs> Where's Ibiza? We're failing our seventh grade geography teacher <laughs> right now. Ibiza is an island in the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, yeah. I think I knew it was an island. Part of Spain. Whoa. So, yeah. So, that whole side is all calm, cool, collective. Not worried about Mad Cow. Not worrying about World War. (laughs) Of course, we come from the section that we're worried about everything. Ain't that the truth. Thanks for listening, guys, and be sure to tune in again next week for your fix of culture, nostalgia, and mental health. We'll be doing a Hrubt Pish cocaine story overview ahead of the release of the Netflix drama series on May 26th, along with some nostalgic 7th Heaven recaps and a pet grief mental health segment. We'll see you next time.